Hey, I'm Miles. And I'm Alex. And welcome to our off-season analysis. All right, everybody. So it's been a little while since we've been with you for an episode. We've had a little bit of a time off. Just it's hard to get episodes in as, you know, student athletes in our junior year. But we want to keep on making consistent content for you guys. So we're trying to expand our horizons a little bit. And we're going to go into a little bit of NFL off-season while also talking about the NBA and a little bit of college hoops. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and also, we're going to be more active on social media. We have an Instagram. Uh, you can check the description of this episode for the username. We post uh, time updates for when our new episode will be. We have exclusive content there. Uh, we post stories and uh, we post other stuff just about us in general and exclusive content. So if you're interested, we would love the support. Feel free to drop follows. Uh, we would really like that. And that sure. brings us into our first topic of discussion, and that is the QB free agency drama. And this stems from a few different contracts being signed. You know, I believe the first one signed was Derek Carr to the Saints. That was alluded to, but it's interesting seeing that confirmed. But the one we're going to kick it off with uh, is kind of the the tale of two different quarterbacks, and that is Daniel Jones and Lamar Jackson. Uh, as you all may or may not know, Daniel Jones received a huge contract, uh, and it is bringing up a lot of buzz. The contract was four years, $160 million, and the Giants offered him that right before the hit of free agency. I guess they think he's their guy, and you know, preemptively, they thought another team might offer something to that degree, so they wanted to secure their guy for the future, and you know, $160 million, that'll do it. Uh, and leading into the Lamar situation, this actually, uh, this actually, it's kind of the opposite case in Lamar. Uh, Lamar Jackson, he former MVP, unanimous MVP in 2019. Uh, he is having contract disputes with the Ravens, and he's actually not getting a long term extension, uh, which he believes he he would get. And he actually got put on the franchise tag, an unrestricted franchise tag. And he hasn't been swooped up by a team yet. Uh, a lot of people feel as though he deserves uh, a lot of money. Uh, and, you know, his MVP might back that up. But I guess the Ravens are going for a different quarterback philosophy in the fact that they don't believe he's as valuable to warrant a uh, crazy long-term contract. Uh, and that's how it is right now. Yeah. So in terms of what's holding Lamar back, what really is hurting him is the fact that he still has his mom as his agent. He has yet to sign a big-time agent that he would need to bring in this money that he's asking for. So in terms of the free, of the free agent world, usually what happens is you have a, a primary amount of uh, headlining, you know, top 1% type of agents that are with these quarterbacks, that are with these you know, NFL stars who are asking for $100 million contracts. You know? So the problem is Lamar refuses to do that and i'm totally you know for the idea of obviously you know having somebody you can trust as a family member being your um you know being your agent but i I just don't think it's a viable option for somebody asking for a 200 million dollar contract no matter how sophisticated lamar's mom is she's she's not going to be like those top one percent of agents and that's really holding him back from getting the money now uh in terms of daniel jones i would say my take on this contract as a giants fan is that giving Daniel Jones this amount of money is going to limit how good the Giants are going to be with their offensive weapons. And 
with Daniel Jones as a limited quarterback, his offensive weapons are very, very vital to him. Even in the Dayball system, he's still going to need people to throw the ball to. He's going to need a running back. He's going to need an offensive line. So to give him such a big contract is really going to hurt the Giants, especially in an NFC East that is competitive. Now, the thing about this is, is the Giants are going to be able to compete in the NFC and hopefully get a playoff spot next year. And I think that's what they're hoping on. The NFC is a lot, lot weaker than the AFC. So they can still be a consistent playoff team. However, I don't think that they'll be able to get past the divisional round at all. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, with the Daniel Jones situation, once again, he was paid $40 million a year with this new contract. Uh, and, you know, yeah, it's cool that the Giants found their guy, but quarter with Daniel Jones, you could you could probably get away with paying him something like $31 million. And imagine what you could do with that other $9 million. Probably get so you could probably sign a few more players through the draft. Uh, you could probably sign someone in free agency. You know, New York is a big market, people are willing to live there. Uh, if you lock down your franchise quarterback for a little bit less money, I think you'll be able to sway some people over. Uh, but you know, securing Daniel Jones, I think it's the right move. But once again, this much money doesn't doesn't really seem like doesn't really seem like the best. And yeah, about Lamar having a having his mother as an agent, you're just not going to get deals done. It's not that uh, it's not like sh- that she may lack anything in particular. It's just that what what true agents can uh, what true experienced agents can bring to the table is just experience. This is this is going to be your first major dispute. And she's just trying to get the best for her son. Other agents, they've been in these situations. They know how to they know how to deal with uh, and they know how to make their client. Uh, and the NFL player looked the best, but you know, having your own mother in that situation, regardless on if she is, you know, particularly amazing with it, or if she's, you know, kind of a lower end agent, I think you're the main the main thing you're going to need is that experience, and I think that's what that's what's lacking uh, in Lamar having his mother as his agent. Yeah, so that's going to transition us into our third quarterback contract that we want to talk about, and that's going to be Derek Carr's contract. So we've talked about. I think the the extreme where, you know, a quarterback of a high caliber, an MVP level player is not getting paid a contract. And on the other hand, you have a player who has been honestly a laughing stock for many years and he got, you know, 160 million. And now you kind of have a happy medium between those two players. I'd say Derek Carr is a top 12, top 11 quarterback in the NFL. And I think got a modestly good contract. He got $150 million over four years with the New Orleans Saints. Now, I will say their cap situation isn't the best, but I think this is a fair deal for Carr, who, you know, has carried the Raiders uh, organization through so much, so much instability. And along with that, he's been able to be a productive player. I will add that although he he was n- never really able to be a, a playoff successful quarterback, I think that has to do a lot with the with the corrupt uh, the corrupt ownership of the Las Vegas Raiders. They honestly always had an awful defense, absolutely horrendous, <laughs> and I, I can't really, I can't really fault him for that. But I think he's a lot better off with the Saints, especially in such a weak division. I think this is a, a contract that needed to happen for them, and I think Derek Carr deserves this one. I, I feel like this is truly the the least controversial, least controversial contract that we're going to talk about in this offseason. Yeah, no doubt in my mind that Derek Carr is a deserving player, and he was bound to get that money from somewhere. Uh, but the thing with the New Orleans Saints for me is 
I think it's I think it's a good contract for Carr, but I'm not sure if uh, New Orleans is the right team that needs to be reaching out for this. Uh, not because they won't win some playoff games, but their cap situation is already very questionable. Uh, this could this could benefit if they can make some you know NFC uh, playoff pushes, which is surely possible, but. For the long term, we'll see how this goes, especially having Michael Thomas, uh, who hasn't played a lot of games in these past two years, under $20 million a year. Uh, as long as they can restructure some contracts, this will be just fine. But watch out for their cap situation because they have been quite lackluster in that area. Definitely. And that'll bring us into our last quarterback that we want to talk about. This one, again, it's a little bit more of a happy medium, but... I'd say a little bit more polarizing in terms of people's opinions on him. So we're going to be talking about Geno Smith for the Seattle Seahawks. He got, I believe, uh, $105 million over over four years. And for him, I'd say he's probably the, the definition of an average to above average quarterback. I mean, he played his butt off last year. I don't think anybody expected the Seahawks to be as good as they were. And in part of that was mostly Geno Smith throwing for 30 touchdowns. He was honestly phenomenal last year for everything that was going on and the fact that he had so many rookies on his offense. I'd say he's deserving of this contract, but to me this feels like he's going to be an above-average bridge quarterback that's you know going to be able to win some games in the NFC, but I think what Seattle's mostly going to do is they're going to try to move up or they're going to try to select a quarterback in this upcoming draft. And with that, I think they're going to have to go with somebody who has high, high feeling and maybe not somebody with the lowest maybe somebody with the with the with a pretty low floor i mean you're talking guys about you're talking about guys in this draft that are surefire talents you're talking about bryce young you're talking about cj stroud but then you get into the conversation of will levis or anthony richardson from florida and i think that's the position that seattle's going to be in you know you could start gino for the three or four years that he's on contract but then you select somebody who has high potential that you could put behind him for a few years. Yeah, I can totally see that. Uh, three years, $105 million might kind of scare someone. But in the, modern quarterback, uh, in the modern quarterback market, that's not really a ton of money, and that's not a shocking amount of money. I think Geno played to deserve that amount of money. Uh, and, yeah, it's, it's a short enough deal to the point where they're able to kind of use him as a bridge quarterback and just use him that they can be successful thus far. Uh, but when it comes for a future talent and a future quarterback, yeah, they can probably they can probably put Gino away and they can probably uh, move on from that, given that it's only three years. I think it's a perfect contract for both sides, and I think Gino played well enough to deserve it. So that's really nice to see. Definitely, yeah. So with that concluded, we're going to be moving on to our next topic, and that's going to be the DJ Moore trade to the Bears. So everybody in Chicago. I mean, I'd say they're I'd say they're pretty happy right now. So the Bears pretty much they traded the number one overall pick, but in return they were able to receive Panthers wide receiver DJ Moore. They were also able to receive the number nine overall pick in 2023, a second round pick in 2023, a first round pick in 2024, and a second round pick in 2025. So honestly, this is a boatload of picks and if I was if I was a Bears fan, I'd be delighted. The amount of things you could do with these picks is is honestly great. I, I think what, what's in store for the Bears here is to use these picks to trade back up in the first round. It's hard to say where they're going to be with the twenty twenty four and twenty twenty five pick. So 
I, I would I would honestly use these picks to compile um, multiple picks within the first and second round and put yourself in an even better position. I like the idea of surrounding Justin Field with weapons. I think DJ Moore can be a Pro Bowl caliber player, even on the Bears team um, that has had some trouble with wide receivers. But I, I'd say this is a good move for the Bears, and I think it's showing some confidence in Justin Fields. And I like the idea that the Panthers are doing here with trying to trying to basically get a quarterback, which is what something they struggled with in these past few years. I, I'm assuming that they're going to go a quarterback for the number one overall pick, and they could use some stability in that department for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Ryan Poles did a great job with this trade for the Bears. Uh, you know, the Bears are a team who already seemingly have their quarterback of the future in Justin Fields, uh, and this is a very quarterback-heavy draft class. There are a lot of talents that you can go to. Uh yeah, it's mostly two quarterbacks who are surrounding the number one overall pick, but you know you could name a few other names that could potentially go there, uh, given good situations. Uh, and yeah, this is this is a Bears team that really didn't need a quarterback, and there's a lot of teams that needed a quarterback, so they have a lot of leverage in arguing uh, to get the best to get the best package out of it. And I really think you couldn't have gone better if you're the Bears here. Uh, you only had to give up the number one overall pick, so it's not like you gave up any more crucial picks or crucial players or anything of that matter. Uh, and you got two first-round picks, and you got a wide receiver, DJ Moore. And wide receiver is their biggest position in need. And when you have a young, developing quarterback like Justin Fields, that'll be extremely useful for him. And he's actually going to have someone to throw to this year. So we're gonna we're gonna see this. This is likely the season in which we, or at least from the Bears' perspective, this is probably the season in which we get to see Justin Fields take that leap because he has been he he has had his struggles, but. You know, this this is surely going to make it easier for him. And, you know, from from Justin Fields perspective, it's it's good to see this trade happen. And, yeah, uh, the Panthers, maybe they overpaid a bit. But, you know, if they if they do hit on the quarterback who they're likely going to draft. Like and they get like someone of the Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, Joe Burrow tier, who's to say it is an overpay? It's a bit of a gamble. But, you know, if they really feel like they got that guy and CJ Stroud or Bryce Young, uh, then. You know, they probably got that guy and, you know, they probably traded up for the right reason. And, yeah, they did give up a lot. But I think this is something that surely benefits the Bears, given that they weren't looking to draft a quarterback. And now they might uh, trade up for another position or they might, you know, select the best player available. Um, and I think this is, an, in a way, this could be a huge win for the Panthers, but it's a lot less of a surefire thing with them. Uh, but overall, this is the most interesting move of the offseason so far. And, you know, we haven't had a number one overall trade, uh, the the number one overall pick traded in quite some bit. I believe the last time it was traded was uh, the year Jared Goff was selected and that Goff once run. And, you know, it's very interesting to see this happen. Yeah, I'd also want to add that I think people discount the fact that the, Bear, the Panthers aren't totally out of the race for their division. so. I think, especially with Derek Carr, it makes it a little bit more competitive in that NFC South, but if you really look at it, who are the quarterbacks in this division? You have Derek Carr, right? But if the Panthers were able to select either Bryce Young, CJ Shroud, then they'd instantly have the second best quarterback in the division. If you really look at it, who yeah. do the Buccaneers have a quarterback? You know what I'm I mean? Gonna, I'm going to take CJ Stroud over Kyle Trask. I'm going to take over Kyle Bryce Trask, over Kyle Trask, yeah. Yeah, so, I, I, I mean... You could argue that the Panthers are giving up a lot here, but they still have some key players. Um, I, I still like to think that they still can be competitive in the NFC. I think they could be 
probably a seven and ten team. And honestly, if you're a Panthers fan, I, I would take that. Um, you know, the Falcons are still going to rock out with, um, I believe their their quarterback they selected last year, the Cincinnati quarterback Desmond Ritter. And they they cut Marcus Mariota. So honestly, you basically have at that point, it's like having three rookie quarterbacks. You have Kyle Trask, you have um, you have Desmond Ritter, and you're going to have one rookie quarterback from the Panthers. So if you're the Panthers there, this seems like more trust in your roster that you'll be able to be second in the division, which honestly isn't all that bad. Absolutely. And this brings us into our last topic of discussion for today. Uh, and this is the Bengals going into the 2023-2024 season. Uh, two major players for the Bengals have been in question this offseason, and that is Joe Mixon, the starting running back for the Bengals, and Jamar Chase, the star wide receiver for the Bengals. Uh, first off, let's start with Joe Mixon. Joe Mixon has faced several controversies, but the newest one and the possibly the one that might get him in the most trouble is uh, his alleged shooting at kids having a Nerf war in his neighborhood. Uh Joe Mixon lives in a gated community, and he lives in a Cincinnati home. And uh, the alleged situation was that some kids were having a Nerf war, and it was on his lawn, and he fired uh, reportedly 11 shots back at them. Uh, and if Joe Mixon gets a suspension, that could be huge for the Bengals. He was very important in that playoff run, uh, and they were so close to reaching the Super Bowl. Uh, and, you know, this, this could potentially be the catalyst for worse things to happen. Uh, and with the Jamar Chase situations, uh, there's a woman who's claiming that she's having Jamar Chase's child. Uh, Jamar Chase is claiming otherwise. And she ha- she stated that she has several videos that could end Jamar Chase's career. So uh, Jamar Chase coming off a 1,000-yard season despite missing like seven, seven games. He is a huge, huge, huge asset for the Bengals. Uh, and, you know, if he... If he uh, if he does have like some videos that could potentially hurt his career, or if he does have uh, or if he does have a child and he like gets in trouble for not paying child support uh, with the law or something like that, then you know that could be crucial for the Bengals. That could be crucial for Joe Burrow, whom is his best friend, and you know this can really mess up the Bengals' chemistry. And you know they they have they have something brewing here uh, in that locker room. They have a really good squad and. This could potentially, you know, put a halt to, you know, such the success that they've been reaching recently. And, you know, it would, it would be a shame for it to for such a talented squad like the Bengals to go out for off the field reasons. But, you know, with these with these alleged with these alleged uh, claims. Yeah, it's looking like that might be the case. Yeah, honestly, what it looks like here, what's going to really, really hurt the Bengals is if Jamar Chase and or Joe Mixon get suspended. And I know we've highlighted Jamar Chase, obviously being Joe Burrow's number one weapon. Okay, you know, I trust in Joe Burrow to get past that. And he still has T. Higgins. And, you know, when it, come, when it comes to Jamar, I, I, I think the NFL does handle domestic abuse quite seriously. But I, I would suspect that most he's getting suspended for eight games, maybe less than that, depending on, you know, what the evidence looks like. But... Joe Mixon, in terms of using a firearm, shooting at minors, and also multiple other controversies in terms of his own domestic abuse, we could be talking about a full season of suspension for Joe Mixon. And Joe Mixon means a lot more to this Bengals offense than I think a lot of people realize. 
his run game is honestly so completely overlooked for what it means for this offense. He is the key to their offense when what happens is that the Bengals are so well known for throwing all over you, similar to what happens with the Chiefs or with uh, the Bills. So they'll leave, teams will leave two safeties up high, and that means the box is a lot less loaded. So having a great running back like Joe Mixon to run the ball in those situations help then set up the pass game because once the defense starts trying to stop the run with Joe Mixon, well, that opens up the big play and the bomb down the sideline to Jamar Chase. And without that, I'm sure the Bengals, I'm sure the Bengals offense will look a lot less dangerous and we'll see how they respond, but their division is getting, is, is going to keep on improving. I, I would assume that Kenny Pickett is going to keep on improving over this off season. He showed us flashes. I assume that Deshaun Watson in his first full off season is also going to be more productive. And then on top of that, if Lamar Jackson is going to stay with the Ravens, I mean, you're you're stressing if you're a Bengals fan. This is honestly just an awful look for them. And if people are really suspended, I'd I'd be really worried. Yeah, this could be a crucial negative sway of momentum for the Bengals. Overall, they've been an unlucky franchise, and you know it seems like the fans have kind of caught a break lately, but. With these off the field issues, this could potentially, you know, halt everything that they've worked for, uh, and you know, some big suspensions uh, could, you know, maybe affect seeding, or maybe affect not making the playoffs at all, uh, and might affect what happens in this off season, who they ban this, and this can just be a catalyst for a lot of bad things to happen. Uh, and if you're a Bengals fan, you're hoping these things aren't true, uh, but. If the NFL conducts their own investigations, and you know, uh, if these if these two individual players are suspended for for their alleged uh, for their alleged cases, then this can be really bad for the Bengals, and it would kind of be, you know, a dog eat dog division. You know, we could see we could see another another team step up and take that AFC North title. Uh, and it's just overall not a good look for the Bengals. Uh, everything they've worked for, the deep playoff runs they've made, for it to stop like this, uh, and some suspensions happening, that could be really bad for them. And that's something that you really don't want to happen if you're a Bengals fan. That definitely sums it up. So, with that, uh, we want to thank you guys for listening this far through the podcast. And um, we hope that you guys stay tuned. Make sure to check out the Instagram. We'll leave it in the description. And yeah, hope to be seeing some more episodes from us soon. Thank you, guys.